0: Hi, this is Jim Swilly. Welcome to Metron Live. Metron is a Greek word that means sphere of influence. I believe in living your best life possible, and that's the reason for this podcast. This is my Metron. Now let me help you discover yours. We're going to do some affirmations. When I point to me, I say it. Uh, when I point to you, you say it, okay? <clears throat> um, I am blessed. I am a blessing I am um I am whole I am wholeness I am I is our highest affirmation um I am well I am wellness I am uh I am peaceful I am peace I am um I am free. I am freedom. I am. Um, I am uh, patient. I am patience. I am. I am joyful. I am joy. I am. And then we always add a little bit of breath work to that, which was what we'll be doing a lot of next uh, uh, weekend. So we're gonna breathe in through the nose and hold it. Hey, Linda. And uh, in through the nose, out through the mouth. Okay, so here we go. In, hold, out, inhale, exhale. Inhale. Exhale. Give me a couple more. In. Out. Inhale. Exhale. Beautiful. All right. Um, In, uh, well, I speak into this atmosphere and I say, let there be light. And thank you, by the way, for the, uh great feedback from um eleven elevens this week, particularly the one I did was it thursday night uh that one had a lot of viewers and a lot of you responded and giving to that and uh that was that that was a good flow that night and uh the next night <laughs> people were texting me asking if anything was wrong because I didn't post anything about not being on, but I'm in the middle of doing this painting. And there's no way to tell you, when I, I haven't done a big painting in a long time. And uh, I've, I don't think I've ever done a big one here. When I was doing the big ones before, I was either at, you know, uh, I had a suite of offices at Church of the Now, at plenty of room. And uh, then most of the really big ones I did when I had my studio at Paris on Ponts. this has been trying to get this thing positioned around the furniture in here and not get paint on everything like I've done before, uh, has, it's, it's been, I'm not complaining about it cause I really like this painting. It's, it's turning out very, very good, but, uh, I didn't even, I wasn't even thinking about 11, 11 Friday night. I was in the middle of wrestling this ginormous canvas, um, and I'll get it done, uh, in time. But, uh, anyway, I do have a, a word I want to share with you. Uh, so again, I speak of the atmosphere, let there be light. The scripture I was looking up, it's, um, it's first Corinthians two 15. <clears throat> and it's when Paul says, um, the spiritual man judges all things yet is himself judged, uh, Yes, I know. I love that you have your love, your huge painting right at the foot of your bed. <laughs> I love that, Leona. <clears> hey, <throat> Wynn. Anyway, um, uh, it says, the, Paul is writing to the Corinthians, it says the spiritual man judges all things, yet is himself judged of no man. Of course, the Bible was written by men to men. So if, if it was written today, it would say something like the spiritual person, judges all things um the scripture i was looking the translation i was looking for was uh, in the amplified classic when i say amplified classic they uh hey valerie i love the amplified and they for some reason they revamped it a few years ago and i i actually prefer the original one uh <clears throat> this is uh first corinthians and i've used this before in my writings but <clears throat> um 1 Corinthians 2.15 in the Amplified says, But the spiritual man tries all things, he examines, investigates, inquires into, questions, and discerns all things, yet is himself to be put on trial and judged by no one. He can read the meaning of everything, but no one can properly discern or appraise or get an insight into him. I, I love this so much, I'm going to read it again. Hey, Charlo, what are you saying that's right to uh, my painting at the foot of your bed? I'm cool with that. Again, First Corinthians 2.15 in the Amplified. But the spiritual man tries all things. He examines, investigates, inquires into, questions, and discerns all things. Yet is himself to be put on trial and judged by no one. He can read the meaning of everything, but no one can properly discern or appraise or get an insight into him. Hey, Colonel Rogers, um, I love this idea that the spiritual man, uh, sort of has x-ray vision. The spiritual man has powers of perception. The spiritual person, spiritual woman, the spiritual being, uh, sees deeply into things that, uh people who are not motivated by spirit don't necessarily see. Um, It's interesting that the King James uses the word judge, you know, because Jesus said, judge not, lest you be judged. He's talking about two different things there. When Paul says uh, the spiritual man judges all things, that's not judgment in in an effort to condemn or penalize something. This is judgment to understand. Like when somebody says, well... In my judgment, I think this means so-and-so. Um, so yesterday, <clears throat> I got a text. Um, I, I, I don't like to answer a lot of Bible texts because, frankly, a lot of the things... Uh, that's awesome, Leona. That makes me very happy. Hey, Mike, in Africa. Um there's a lot of things that people ask me, like "Where's that verse?" So and so, and I think, do you not have the internet? I mean, you could, you could Google this, but I understand some people want to hear my take on something. And as long as you're not, as long as I don't feel like I'm being deposed, uh, if, if if I pick up there's um, defiance in a question that I'm like, you know what? Namaste. Believe what you want to believe, because. What I'm picking up is your argumentative spirit. You're not wanting to, uh, to reason together. You're, I'm this, I feel like I'm in a courtroom. And if, if that's the case, I don't, just look it up yourself. <clears throat> but, uh, somebody texted me yesterday that probably hasn't heard me teach in at least a decade, but used to be a very good friend of the ministry. And it was just a very simple, uh, sort of benign text there was no it wasn't loaded with accusation uh like if somebody was for instance somebody was arguing me about hell i'm like fine enjoy hell i don't i'm not trying to take hell away from you hell hell it up like those kind of that, that kind of stuff i answered everything i ever want to say about that in five schools of the bible uh and a lot of it I answered in my last book. I don't want to keep writing my book over and over and over again. And some people get very offended at that. They want you to write your, rewrite your book to them. And I'm like, I've already written this. I don't want to, I don't want to take the time to explain all this to you. So yesterday, somebody uh, texted me, who I don't talk to on a regular basis. Gosh, I think Ken and I ran into him maybe three years ago at the varsity but definitely not in my life now. And, um, I mean, I'm constantly evolving. So, if, you know, if you haven't heard me teach in uh, several years, you, uh, you might not have any idea who I am at this point. Uh, which is fine. You know, I think sometimes people are talking to me and in their head, it's the 1995 version of me. And I'm like, well, this is the 2023 model. And he's a little He's a little more advanced and way better than he was then. Anyway, uh, I just get this text that says, hey, in my Bible study today, and this guy may be on here. It's, it's fine. It's not that I'm, I'm not saying anything negative about this. Um, he said, in my Bible study today, I was reading uh, the 10th chapter of Daniel. Uh, it's the story of when Daniel prays and... Um, uh, he doesn't get an answer to his prayer. And I think this is Daniel 10 verses 10, 11, and 12, I believe. And, uh, it's when he says, um, I asked God why I didn't get the answer. And God says, uh, Hey Becky, God said, God didn't say, Hey Becky. I said, Hey Becky, uh, God says, um, I heard you on the first day, <clears throat> but, uh, there was a a demon who was, a principality who was fighting me. He called him the Prince of Persia. Persia, of course, is what was Persian, is now Iraq. And he said, I contended with this this, uh, spirit, principality, demon for three weeks before I finally got the upper hand. And so this guy asked me a question. He said, what I understand is why didn't God just have the upper hand? Why would it take God three weeks to prevail over a demonic spirit or a, a principality i would think that would be he didn't say this but the implication was i would think that would be a no-brainer it was just simply if you get a chance text me back why didn't god have the upper hand so i had lots of conversation some of you on here i had come on line right now i had conversations with uh yesterday and um so after I got finished with all my conversations, all my things I needed to uh, answer, I texted him and I said, look, this is too long to answer in a text. When you have a minute, just call me and I'll give you my take on it. So he called in a few minutes. And um, I said, one thing I do like about this, about this question, he just got to the point. Yeah, here's my point. Here's what I want to know. What do you think about it? And it was we didn't have to go through a lot of hey I'm sorry I haven't talked to you in a long time it's like there, there's there's too much filler words you know what I mean just say what you you know say what you need to say and I'll answer it if I can hey Sherry so um, I said I started to say to him you might not accept what I'm about to say but I thought no that's, that's don't assume that. Don't assume that he hasn't evolved along with you. So I said, "Well, let, let me give you a couple. Let me give you some context. Hey, Will, let me give you some context on this. Uh, on this verse of scripture, on this passage. Uh, and for many of you, this will be repeat. I said, but any time you interpret anything, there's to me, there's two filters it has to come through. Uh, one is." Um, uh, the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. With 2 Corinthians three six. Uh, you always have to keep that in mind when you're putting a verse of scripture under the microscope. Uh, I always say this every time I say the scripture, but in the International Standard Version it says, "But the written text kills, but the spirit gives life." I mean that that's a very important thing to remember. When you're dealing with people who are who really practice bibliolatry, like they've they've made like the Bible a a fourth person, like it's not just a Trinity now. It's a what would that be? A quadrangle? It's like there's four. I I I worship Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and the Bible. Um, the the writers of the the Bible, the the men who wrote. The books that got compiled into what we now have as the Bible would be horrified at the way uh, fundamentalists have taken their words and made, forced them to be the Word of God. Those, uh, you know, this is repetitive, but the Bible was, the, the Protestant canon was uh, written, uh, it's, um, was it, uh, How many books is it? (laughs) Sixty-seven books. Sixty-six books. Thirty-nine Old Testament, twenty-seven New Testament. Written by 40 men during a 1,500-year period to different people groups for different reasons. They were not scientists. They were not uh, physicists. They were speaking in the language that they had at that time. I think they would be shocked. I think even Paul... As, as big as his ego was, I think he would be surprised that people have taken his administrative letters written to some of the churches in his bishopric and, and called them the Word of God. Paul himself didn't even do that. So um, bibliolatry, to me, bibliolatry is the Antichrist spirit. Uh, because, uh, uh, oh, thank you who's giving to me right now. I can't see who that is. Whoever just gave, thank you. Um, Bibliology for me is is the Antichrist spirit because you get, legalism makes you get in the weeds and not really discern what the writer was talking about, okay? So I said, that's your first filter is the letter kills, spirit gives life. You always want to go for what is the spirit of this passage, not the minutia of, yeah, but he said, he said this word instead of that word like you're if, if if you I would go so far as to say if if you're if the message of it can't be um, uh, communicated through all the translations, it's probably not uh, inspired if, if you could only support. Like I've got certain translations. I like the way this translation says this particular thing because it. it sort of buttresses the point I want to make for my teaching. But if I can't teach that same concept in all of the translations, then I'm I'm just being some kind of um, uh, person who's obsessing over semantics. And um, uh, it's kind of like, <laughs> you remember when when uh, Bill Clinton was, uh, he was deposed and he said he'd never had sexual relations with uh, Monica Lewinsky. And that's when he got, um, uh, that's when he got, um, impeached because he perjured himself and his answer to it. And I mean, there are a lot of lawyers that think this way, but his answer was, well, it, it depends on, um, what you say is, is, and you know, when you get down to little minor points like that, you're really missing the spirit of a message. Please don't post political stuff while I'm talking about that. I'm just using that for an example, how that somebody can sort of split hairs about the meaning of a word, trying to justify why they said a thing in a particular way. Okay. And even now, I mean, like now in the news, you've got uh, some of the uh, lawyers for the insurrectionists are are advising these people the same way, like. Be careful how you answer, because they're they're really getting into uh, what Jesus called straining at gnats and swallowing camels, uh, which means uh, obsessing over minutia that doesn't matter because you're trying to muddy the water from what the real message is. Okay. So I said the first filter is um, is uh, the letter kills. The second filter is uh, study to show yourself approved. What is that first? Timothy 3.15, I think. Study to show yourself approved, uh, a workman who needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So the, the concept of rightly dividing means there is a certain amount of dismantling of it, uh, not, to, not to create some kind of case, not as a, a, someone who's performing an inquisition, but to really uh, to get the meat of the message, like, well, what does that mean exactly? Um, and there's other filters. Context is a huge filter, but those are the two I, I uh, talked about last night. And, um, what I said to him, I said, you know, the, I use the example that I've used a lot. I said, I said, like, for instance, um, like, I believe the scriptures are inspired. I don't think they're infallible, and I don't, they didn't, they don't claim to be infallible. And I don't think they should be taken literal. Uh, I think, People from the East who wrote these manuscripts thousands of years ago would be really surprised to see the way that legalists in in the West have turned their messages into something that was not at all what the original intent was. Um, And I know for many of you, this is review. I know I've said these things a lot, but believe me, they need to be said a lot. So um, uh, in the example I use, I said, like, for instance, if you ask me, did, did Noah's Ark, did that really happen? What I would say is there probably was a great flood in that part of the world in antiquity that destroyed what those people thought was the whole world. They didn't know that the world is, uh, was a globe and, and they had no concept of it revolving and uh, rotating. So to them, I mean, if, if, if all you could see was water as far as you could see, I mean, I'm sure people in California right now, if they didn't have TV or satellites, they would probably think, well, the whole world's being flooded. But it's not, it's just that area. It's destructive, but it's just that area. So that ancient flood got put into the text and became part of Hebrew mythology. Uh, do I believe that two penguins at the North Pole got on an ice flow and somehow made it all the way down to the Middle East? Of course not. Do I believe there were dinosaurs on the ark? Of course not. Of course the earth is millions, possibly billions of years old. Um, when, when Moses wrote Genesis 1, he wasn't speaking as a scientist. He was speaking poetically. His point was uh, the creator looks after his creation. And, and, you know, that that was the whole point. Like, I think he would be shocked if Moses were here now. I think he'd be shocked to, to see that entire denominations have split over his words that he meant to be spiritual words, not literal words. Um but but I said that the whole thing with the Noah's Ark is the point of the story is that one man or one person can save the world. That's the point of that story. God comes to Noah, finds grace, uh Noah finds grace in the eyes of the Lord, and God says to him, uh, I'm gonna destroy the world, but you can save it. So it's um it becomes a metaphor. It's not to be taken literally. If there were only eight Hebrews on the ark who were saved after the flood, then where did people from Africa come from? Where did people from Asia come from? Where did people from South America come from? Of course, there were not only eight people. I mean, just... If you just... You don't even have to have a lot of revelation knowledge to understand this. You just have to get out... You have to unplug from legalism and to be able to spiritually discern something. So... um uh I, I said to him, I said, without, as I've said to you before, without the Noah and the, and the ark story, there's no Gandhi, there's no Martin Luther King, there's no Rosa Parks, there's no, like, we, we need that story that, while, that says to us, while destruction is happening everywhere, one man, one woman can make a difference. And there's a lot of layers to that, you know, that it, you know, it took, if you read it literally, it took Noah 125 years to build the ark. The metaphor in that is, you know, whatever you're going to do to save the world isn't going to happen overnight. It's, you know, it takes a while for you to build up a ministry, to build up a platform. It doesn't happen all at once. Um, So I said to your question about Daniel chapter 10, do I believe there was, because Daniel describes him. Daniel says, I saw this huge man standing he said none of the people with me saw him and I'm like yeah of course they didn't because it that wasn't a real thing I mean if you you know if you need to go ride around and speak to the prince of Atlanta what I mean I've done all that stuff before I think it's if that makes you feel better to do that kind of stuff that's fine but a lot of that really is just imagining things that aren't really there Um, however the story of Daniel 10 is God saying, I heard you the first time, uh, and it took three weeks for the thing to manifest. So the, the ministry of the story is, uh, sometimes it may take a, a while to get the thing that you're praying for or intending. Uh, Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a, um, it's like first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. You see a lot of scriptures that are about the progression of manifestation. So um, I said, now, to Daniel's mindset, the way he interpreted the fact that it was taking three weeks for this thing to happen, was he heard the God that he knew, now listen to me, the God that he knew at that point on his journey said to him, I've been fighting this demon for three weeks to get this thing to you. Now that's how he heard it. Then I said, I guarantee you, if Daniel was here now, if you said Dan, Danny, do you really think there was that God was fighting the demon for three weeks to get your answer? He would probably say, "No, nah, I don't really think that now." But that's how it felt then. It felt like it, it felt like that was there was demonic fighting. And I said, the thing is, the Prince of Persia becomes symbolic of every obstacle that stands in the way for you getting your manifestation. Now, if you obsess over the legal side to that, you'll get into all kind of bogus teachings about spiritual warfare and demons. And yes, I'm very familiar with Ephesians 6. I know Paul listed principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. Yes, exactly. But you have to understand, even when you read Paul's writings in uh, chronological order, <clears throat> you'll, <clears throat> you'll see his evolution. Some of the things that he said early on, he didn't say later. Um, I remember, um, and none of you have any idea who I'm talking about, and if she happens to be watching, I hope when I say this, she hears this as reconciliation. But somebody that used to go, they went to Church in the Now before it was Church in the Now, when it was still Word of Faith Christian Center. And had been out of my life for so long, they didn't even know I had children. And it, well, they definitely didn't know I had Judah and Jonah. And um, we met one day, I ran into this person one day and so she start, she said, I just used to take notes on everything you said, and it changed my life. I'm so happy to run into you. And uh, she started coming to Metron. She came for a few weeks. And she had she would come in with these notebooks full of things that I said in 1990, 1991, 1992. And uh, sometimes I'd, I'd be at the back of the theater greeting people, and she, she would say, well, what you said today doesn't sound like what you said. And she showed me like what, she, what you said in 1994. And I said, you know, that was like a long time ago. I mean, you, you know people evolve in their thinking. And uh, she just couldn't get her head around that and, and never came back again. Um, so when I say that's how Daniel described the God he knew at that part of his journey, I can tell you this, the the Jesus I know now is hard. I mean, he's so dissimilar from the Jesus I grew up with, the Jesus I dreaded, the Jesus who was coming as a thief in the night, the Jesus that hated gay people, the Jesus that you know, all, the the white Jesus, the the American Jesus. Like I, I still believe in Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, but he hardly he no more resembles. Um, that Jesus that I know, knew then, then I looked like I looked then. You know what I mean? Like I can show you a picture of when I was eight years old when I thought that's who, who God was. And, and if you didn't know, you might not even recognize that was me. I'm, I mean, I look very different now. Um, some people say, well, God says, I am God and I change not. Absolutely. But your perception of God, listen, hear me. Your perception of God is not God. Your perception of God is not sovereign. Your perception of God is not perfection. Your perception of God is not absolute. Your perception of God is not a fixed thing. So if you say, I don't believe I believe exactly like I believed 30 years ago, because God said, I am God and I change not. Right, God didn't change, but you changed as you were progressing toward the God who had always been there all along, okay? And the problem comes when people think their perception of God is the truth and they become intolerant of other people's perception of God. That's why I don't argue, like if you want to find the judgmental God, you can find them. That God's in the scripture. It was written by people who perceived God that way. Look, these people in the, in ancient times, they were trying to understand transcendence in their day, and they were speaking in the language that they understood. Uh, when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, Moses and Elijah appeared along with him, and Moses did not appear with the tablets. Mo- you know, Moses isn't trying to, uh, promote the commandments now. You know, Moses, Moses evolved. Uh, so when people say, I'm not going to change because God's the same. No, no, no. You, you're thinking your perception of God was God. And it wasn't. Like, who do you think you are? That you, you knew everything about God because of your six or seven scriptures that were your... You're, I mean, that's. Are you kidding me? I mean, it's the, it's the height of arrogance, frankly. Um, to me, and this is this is deep. To me, it's like you know when Ezekiel talks about Lucifer uh, trying to be in the place of God, and. There's war in heaven and God kicks him out and he takes a third of the angels with him. Do I believe that's a literal thing? Not necessarily, but you know what I do believe it means? I think anytime you become so arrogant that you think you know everything about God, you're in the place of trying to take over the throne of the Most High. And you're going to get, you and whoever your third of the angels is, you're going to get kicked out of, not out of heaven, but out of being able to judge things spiritually. The more you evolve spiritually, the, the more humble you become about things. This is why, you know, back on my sermon on Christmas Day, I said, look, you know, however you want to interpret this message, I'm fine with. I'm not trying to, because this is what I've noticed. There are people who very much agree with me about a lot of the things that I teach, that they're nearly just as legalistic in trying to disprove to you the Bible. I'm like, just stop being so uh, everything's black and white. Like, yes, I know, I know about Mithra and, and Dionysus, I'm, I'm familiar with all those things. Just bring it back somewhere in the middle to say, people are trying to understand God and they got some bad information and they're having to learn how to listen to their heart instead of listening to their head. So, back to my original thing with this guy. I said, here's the thing about the Daniel 10 thing. No, I don't think there was some big demon that was fighting with God. I don't think that's what God told Daniel. I think that's how God, I think that's how Daniel heard it through his frustration. Because he believed, well, if I call on God, God's going to answer me immediately. And when he didn't, He's imagining all kinds of things. It's kind of like, um, you know, waiting to hear from somebody. You know, let me know you made it okay, and you know, like they they don't they forget to text you, and you're like, oh my god, something's happened to him. Something's happened to him. You know, they uh, they've had an accident. Their, their house burned down. So you start imagining all these things. That's coming out of your anxiety. It's not coming out of the truth. Everybody who writes projects their personality into the writing and that is true for the bible writers i'm not dismissing any of them i'm saying you have to understand the mindset they were in so what daniel in inter- the way daniel responded to a delay was this is the devil this is demonic this is like a prince of persia and when he saw him nobody else saw him he was humongous. And I was telling this guy, like, who amazingly received everything that I said. Uh, as a matter of fact, he ended the conversation. He said, you know, you're still a teacher, aren't you? I said, well, yeah, I'm just answering your question. And um, uh, But that's how he was interpreting. That's how Daniel was interpreting the resistance to the answer to his, to his prayer or affirmation. The point of the story is some things take time. It doesn't mean God or the universe didn't hear you immediately. It just means some planets are having to line up before you get the, the thing that you want. Yes, I know Mark eleven twenty four. 24, Jesus said, believe you receive when you pray. Receiving is not the same thing as seeing it manifested. Receiving says, I have it now. Faith is the evidence of things not seen, the substance of things hoped for receiving says I I own this now it, it's like it's like um, if I go to uh, rooms to go and I buy a, a sofa and they said we don't have it in stock but here's the receipt it's going to be delivered to you in a week well I can't sit on that piece of paper but that piece of paper is my sofa because I, it means I have it now. It will not manifest until the movers get here and the concierge calls me and says, your, your guys are here and you know, all that, that thing. But I already owned it. I already had it before I could sit on it. Okay. So, um, the story of the, you know, the Prince of Persia, it's not it was. It's not meant to be a primer on spiritual warfare because I back in, you know, I rode every wave of the charismatic movement, including the deliverance wave. And we, some of you have no idea what I'm talking about, but we used to hand out the the, the book Pigs in the Parlor to everybody that joined the church. We took everybody, just nearly everybody, through deliverance. Uh, we didn't believe in counseling. We just, you know, thought we can cast it out of you. And of course, that's absurd. But in that teaching. You know, those teachers on demons would say, now you got to understand, some things are like the Prince of Persia and they only come out by prayer and fasting. And I'm like, well, you do know the word fasting wasn't even in the original when Jesus said that. The point is, you know, if you need to believe demons are real and literal and fighting you all the time, that's fine. Namaste. I just need to prepare you. You're going to create a lot of drama in your life that's not necessary. You're going to have lots of flat tires and lots of bad things happen to you that you're going to conveniently blame on demons that you're imagining. Um, do I believe in demons? I believe, you know, what I believe demons are. I think they're the, the things in your head that you haven't worked out yet. The things, is the, the destructive thoughts that you battle with. Those are, I don't think they're disembodied spirits. And, you know, if I'm really just going to torture this metaphor you know, probably everybody has got, if, if demons are thoughts, um, uh, probably everybody's got a Prince of Persia that's like the, the Mac Daddy. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I've got these other little things, but for me, the Prince of Persia is that I just think, you know, my parents never loved me and I was unwanted and I, and I have horrible, horribly low self-esteem. Well, there's your Prince of Persia. It's not a, it's not a, a actual demon that's hovering over the Middle East. It's this one main thought that you carry with you all the time. Maybe for very good reason. Maybe that was what was communicated to you in childhood. But that one thought, everything is filtered through that thought, and. You don't get manifestation because you don't think you deserve manifestation. You don't think you deserve good things. Uh, you know that quote that says we we end up getting the love we think we deserve? If you go through life thinking that you're rejected and thinking that you're less than and thinking that you're inferior, then ev- you can pray to God, but everything God sends you is, is going to be filtered through that Prince of Persia, if you will. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, when people get off in the weeds, wanting to talk about, I remember going to seminars where they would show the hierarchies of demons, and here's the ruling spirits that rule over countries, and all this kind of stuff. And even back then, I didn't have the nerve to say it. But even back then, I was I was thinking like, this feels like Dungeons and Dragons. This feels like this feel I didn't. This is before Game of Thrones. I never watched it, but this feels like that. This feels like. Uh, this is like science fiction. You know, all this idea that there's ruling spirits and lesser spirits and the ruling spirits are, are, you know. And some people say, well, I know somebody that had a vision of demons and a vision of hell. No, that was their perception. That wasn't a real thing. Again, your perception of God is not God. I don't care if you wrote a book about it. I don't care if they made a movie out of your book. Um, if you really get honest, like I've noticed most of them, I'm, I'm so out of the loop on this. I don't know if this is even still a thing, but it, there there was a, for a while in, on Christian TV, it was like about every couple of weeks they had somebody on who had been to heaven. Um, I won't even name the names. Some of them passed on. Some of them are still alive. They went there. So a couple of them went to hell, but most of them went to heaven. And um, I mean, you'd be amazed how many people had a I went to heaven" testimony because they're they're great sellers. They're huge money makers. And um, I would watch some of these guys, like on TBN or PTL or CBN, and the the interviewer would say, "So." you had an out-of-body experience, you went to heaven, and they're so glib talking about it, like, yeah, I went to heaven last week, and Jesus said, here's your condominium, and I said, I don't like it, Jesus. I needed a bigger one, so Jesus and me went and had a Big Mac. And, I, you know, I'm listening to that thinking, this is just BS. Like, I can't believe your audience buys into this. Like, I, let me give you, if, if you want scriptural um, context, Paul said that he had an out-of-body experience and went to a place called the third heaven he was not able to talk about it for 25 years. It so impacted him. And when he did talk about it, he talked about himself in third person. He said, this is uh, what, 2 Corinthians 12, I believe. He says, I knew a man in Christ some 25 years ago, who, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, who was taken up into a place called the third heaven. And that's when, you know, God says to him, my grace is sufficient for you. So if there is such a thing as leaving your body and going to heaven, I would just think, I would think if I had just gone to heaven, I would be like, like Moses coming down off Mount Sinai with my face glowing. I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't have an agent booking me on a talk show next week to be talking about, I went to heaven and it was great and Jesus said to tell y'all, hey, and here's my book and here's my tape series about it. I'm like, come on, just stop. You, you didn't go to heaven. And what I've noticed, the, those few people that I've still kind of followed, as they've progressed, they quit talking about that. Like people will ask in their interviews, well, what about this thing, you know, back in 1973, you went to heaven, and they're like, well, I don't, you know, it, was, it was a different time. I'm like, yeah, it was a different time because that was your perception. Your perception of God is not God. Your perception of heaven is not heaven. Your perception of hell is not hell. Your perception of the divine is not the divine. It's a part of it. It's a it's a glimpse into it. It's a sneak preview. But the whole concept of going from glory to glory, or even uh, now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face, which the better translation is now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face the 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 scriptures, especially the New Testament are full of um, descriptions of progressive things about God. So um, do I still read the Bible? Yeah, it's, it's so enjoyable now to read it in the spirit and not get bogged down on legal technicalities, which was not what those writers meant in the first place. I promise you, Whatever is on the other side, when when these bibliologists get on the other side, they're going to be so embarrassed to realize, oh, we really obsessed over things that didn't matter. Yeah, you think? It, it doesn't matter. And, and when, you, when, you, when you open your eyes to that, you'll see the reason why Jesus would say in very different situations, today salvation has come to this house. It's like he went out of his way to say, there's no one way to salvation. For Z- Z- uh, Zacchaeus, it's returning fourfold everything that he'd stolen. For the man, uh, the the um, uh, thief being crucified and beside him, it's saying, remember me when you come into your kingdom. For the harlot who washes his feet, it's her sins which are many are forgiven because she loved much. He, he, and he did the same thing with healing. Sometimes he's laying hands on people. Sometimes he's putting... Uh, Spitting on dirt and making mud, and, put, and he's saying, "Don't try to formulize this. Don't make a formula." That's why, when people say, to, "You know, God knows it's been cut and pasted to me," not as many times as the as Romans one, but so many people that don't believe in ultimate reconciliation or universalism, whatever you want to call it. I've had John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. I've had it sent to me hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. When somebody says, well, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Right. Like, how did you you interpret that to mean unless you become a Christian, you go to hell? Like, that's really kind of a stretch. Because... What I believe is, you know, whatever Jesus did on the cross that needed to happen for people to change their perception of an angry God, he says, I'm, I did that. I'm the way. And you, you have to come through that way. You have to become a Christian. You have to understand that God was love and was always love, and you came out of God and you're going to come back to God. That, that's why the Mirror Translation says, My I amness mirrored in you is your way, your truth, and your life. We're all finding our way. Paul told the Athenians in Acts 17, we all grope for him, though he is not far from any of us. It's in him we live and move and have our being, as some of your own poets and mythology has said. So when people want to argue about uh, a phrase... or a sentence in the scripture. I'm like, I, you're, I, you know what I really want to say? I want to say, you're so childish, there's no way for me to explain it to you. Let, let, me, let me say it to you this way. If a kid comes to a parent and says, where do babies come from? The parent's going to say something like, daddy loved mommy and God gave mommy a baby in her tummy. That's what you say to a child. You don't give them, you don't show them porn. You don't give them explicit uh, information about sexuality and birth control. You, they grow into that. And which is why I'm at a point now in my journey, I agree with my adversary quickly. When people want to argue with me about hell, I'm like, that's fine. Just I, I, I'm very familiar with those verses. That That's fine. Or when people want to uh, say, do you know... You know, the Bible says it's an abomination for a man to sleep with another man. I'm like, no, really? Thank you for telling me that. I had no idea. I guess you better pray for me. You know, because they're so they're so undeveloped, unsophisticated, immature, uh, lacking in spiritual knowledge that you just need to have to come way down to their level and go, I know, that's what the Bible says. Just, just gotta pray. Um, and what I, what was encouraging to me about this yesterday, I wasn't sure this guy was would receive from me. Now I know he would have years ago, but you know, I've, I've changed a lot just this year. And there was no, um, there was no argument with what I said. He said, "Oh wow, that makes a lot of sense. That's awesome. Thank you." And it, it didn't wear me out. He wasn't combative, um, you know. If, if you're if you're always contending for your scripture, you need to you need to have a uh, experience with the Holy Spirit. Paul said, uh, "The servant of the Lord must not strive, but must be apt to teach." Meaning, don't get into stupid arguments that. That frankly, I'll tell you this: when someone's brain has been affected by legalism, you can, you can uh, give them revelate, you can give them manna from heaven, and they're still going to argue with you about a verse of scripture. So they're so devoid of understanding of the Holy Spirit. There's no point in even. It's like you speak a different language. I remember when my kids were little. If they ever, if they ever got in that. That whiny tone, if they were ever telling you like that, I would say, "Y'all, I don't speak that language. I don't. Understand. Wait, what are you saying? What? Like, you're gonna have to ask me in a language I understand, because I don't, I don't speak whiny. Oh, yeah, you know what I'm saying. And they, they would have to change. Like, what I'm asking for, I would like to go out and play. Like, oh, now I understand what you said. Um. So if the spiritual person judges all things. You're not even mad at at, uh, immature people. You're just like, well, I just believe eventually you'll get this. And in the the meantime, just keep speaking truth. Uh, Is the Daniel 10 story a valid story? Yeah. But to me, it's it's not a teaching on spiritual warfare. I mean, you know, when Jesus said in John chapter 12, now the God of this world is cast down, I was like, good enough for me. That's fine. Um, and yes, I've read the book of Revelation. I have my own feelings about what the bottomless pit is. None of that is meant to be literal. John was having a dream on the Isle of Patmos. I had, I had several dreams last night that if I tried to they just were so crazy that I'm like, where did that dream even come from? Like If I tried to explain to you, they, they, they would just defy interpretation, just crazy stuff. And uh, I'm not saying the book of Revelation is crazy. I'm saying John was having, he was having a dream, and he was trying to explain it to people in that. He said, I'm going to show you things that must shortly come to pass. He wasn't talking about millennia away. He said, these are things that you're going to have to deal with as the Roman Empire is persecuting Christians. Now, within that are beautiful teachings, beautiful metaphors, beautiful allegories that mean everything to us. But if I tell you the story of the tortoise and the hare, and you get all bogged down on what kind of tortoise was it. I just did the math, and I don't think that I don't think a tortoise could beat a hare. If, if you're doing all that, you're like, you know, you're, baby, you're missing the point. The point of the tortoise and the hare is just hang in there and, and have perseverance, and you'll win. That's all, that's all that is. You're, it doesn't matter if there was an actual race between a rabbit and an amphibian. It doesn't matter. You're, you're, you're looking at the wrong thing. So all I'm asking to my listeners is come up higher. Listen in the spirit. Um, I'll tell you this. When you start listening in the spirit, speaking in the spirit you'll stop aggravating people so much because the people who uh, you think aren't Christian enough may be the ones who are really spiritual. And you just need to disconnect from the legalism, trying to get them saved and trying to get them to live right. Just love them. Romans thirteen eight. 8, oh, owe no man anything but to love him. That's your only responsibility. No, I've, I, I promised the Lord I would take Five thousand people with me to heaven, like baby, God didn't ask you to do that. Jesus or whatever needed to be done on the cross, Jesus did that. That's that's done. Your only responsibility is to love people just like they are. All right. Um, If you want to give, uh, hope that hope that resonated with somebody. Uh, if you want to give to the ministry, go to bishinthenow.com. And thank you. The, once I mentioned it, apparently the giving picked back up, so thank you very much. Um, it's super. It could not be any easier. Just go Like short for bishop. It's completely self-explanatory. Um, if you want to give to me personally, I have all the cash apps. And um, I'm assuming I'll be on uh, tomorrow night on 11-11. depends on... Uh... Now, what's the hallelujah, Michael? My sermon? Um, d- depending on how much I get done of this. Uh, Ken's coming in tonight. Uh, he's on call this week. But he's going to be here tonight. So I'd like... <laughs> when I'm painting here by myself, um, let's just say I need to clean up before he gets here. So... Um, but I, I, good. I appreciate that, Michael. Um, and if you want to go to meditation weekend, number 17, just scroll up to, um, my cover photo and all the information is there. I haven't started a group yet for number 18. I don't start the next group. Uh, good. I appreciate that, Brenda. Um, uh, I never start the next group for the next. Thing until the current one is over. So um I'm I'm very excited about uh number 17. Those of you who have not been to hell, and you it's it's very charming, you're gonna love it. And um just be spiritual. Spirit is way better, the flesh profits nothing. The words that he speaks are spirit and they are life. Peace.